0: Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. You cast aside the diet, you'll be satisfied for a moment. You won't have those hunger pains. You splurge at the department store, you'll feel good for a period. Stop resisting alcohol and you'll laugh for a while. Move out on your spouse. You'll relax for a time. Indulge in porn and you'll be entertained for a season. That in these particular moments... You can have relief for a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, a few months, but inevitably loneliness will find you again. Guilt and shame will be there for sure. You will never find peace with your enemy. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. It has been said that God always wants to take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. But in order for that to happen, there must be a breakthrough. That godly breakthrough will always take you to a better place and make you more of the person God created you to be. Is that the kind of breakthrough you desire in your life? Do you desire a godly breakthrough in your marriage, in your finances, in your faith, or in some other area of your life? Breakthrough in all of the areas of your life that are falling short. His breakthrough often won't bring what we want. Instead, it will bring better than we could ever imagine. Our prayer is through this series, you will be able to experience a breakthrough that takes you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Please enjoy the message. Today we're talking about breakthrough and we're talking about breaking out of a slump in life. Breaking out of those those instances in which it seems like you just have a wave of difficulty coming against you. Those moments when... You know, it just feels like you're a bit unlucky. I was reading this past week of some unlucky people that have lived in our world. <laughs> and they've got some interesting stories. I came across a gentleman, he lives in a, in a village in Spain. His name is Costas Miticat. As unlucky as he is, his name's even more unlucky. Uh, so Takis, anyway, he's not j- Japanese, but we'll get to that guy in a moment. In 2012, he lived in Spain in a small village. This village had a tradition of buying a participation lottery ticket. And everyone in the village would participate in the purchase of this lottery ticket. And the, the uh, overall jackpot had grown to be $950 million. And you see where I'm going with this. And so Costas was tired of buying this participation lottery ticket. And so he didn't buy it when he should have bought it. And the town, the entire town hits the the jackpot. They hit the jackpot. Everyone in the village had a ticket, but Costas here, and so they all received one hundred and thirty thousand dollars as it was spread out evenly amongst all of them, but Costas was left out. talk about being unlucky of all the weeks to not buy that ticket he didn 't buy it, and so he missed out on that on that uh, that, that jackpot. This gentleman here is named Sudotomi Yamaguchi now. This this gentleman is truly, he has an incredible story and it's amazing that you're able to see him in his old age because in 1945, he works for Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi and he was in Hiroshima, Japan, August the 6th when a nuclear bomb was dropped. And when the bomb was dropped, he was fortunately far enough away from that bomb that he only received some scrapes, some stitches. He, did, he was able to recover after a few days. And then when he was able to, he went back to his home, which was in Nagasaki. And Nagasaki then had a nuclear bomb dropped on it right after he arrived. And so in history, he is the only person to survive two nuclear atomic blasts that he was physically present for. I mean, talk about being unlucky. He was there for both of the atomic bombs to be dropped. But I believe both of them pale in comparison to this woman, who her name is Ann Hodges. She was taking a nap in Alabama in 1954 when, bam, and what was the bam? She was hit by a meteorite. She was taking a nap and she was hit by a meteorite that came out of space. She is the only person to known to survive an extraterrestrial object hitting them. She survived Ann Hodges. Can you imagine of all the, all the things that could happen to you? She was hit by a meteorite. That's never happened to anybody, but it happened to Ann while she was taking a nap. I don't know. Maybe it's something that you should avoid the nap thing. At any rate... These people had some things going against them, and they had some things hit them, and they experienced some pretty difficult circumstances around them. And maybe that's something, again, that you can relate to. Sure, you weren't hit by a meteorite, probably never be hit by a meteorite. Hopefully, you'll never see an atomic bomb be dropped. But there are other things that may hit you in life. And those things that hit us, they often come in waves. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you've got things piling up on you. But even if you're not there now, inevitably, you certainly will have that moment when it does happen. It's it's that moment when your purse is stolen, your children's class gets quarantined, a furnace goes out, a pet dies, a parent's diagnosed with cancer, your company releases you, another miscarriage takes place. And it's wave after wave of things that are coming upon you. And they're just hitting you and they're weighing you down. That's his life. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome this world. But he promises us that we will have challenges in this world. That we can get to a point where it feels like we're in a bit of a slump. I was just saying to Laura the other day, uh, just this past month, I said, what is going on? I feel like everything's breaking in our house. The refrigerator broke. The microwave broke. TV volume doesn't work. Car has to go to the garage. My dog has lupus. I didn't even know that was possible, and the dog is lupus now. I mean, what is going on here? In our home, we have a gun, not a real gun, it's a Nerf gun, several of them, and we shoot them at our children regularly. <laughs> it's just these Nerf bullets, though. We don't really shoot real bullets, right? But life can kind of be like that, and it feels like you got a gun pointed at you, but it's not a real gun, and it's not shooting real bullets, you know? Instead of it shooting bullets, it's it's shooting sadness. And instead of it taking lives, life can at times, the challenges of life can take smiles. And instead of it inflicting flesh wounds, it inflicts faith wounds. And it's hard to know how to break out of that kind of a slump. And that's the slump that we find David in. That's the situation that we find King David in as he is trying to find a breakthrough out of this situation, this difficult circumstance that he's found himself in. And we know of him as King David from the Old Testament of the Bible. And maybe you don't know that, but there's this man named King David. Jesus would ultimately come from his lineage if you didn't know that. But at the time, he's not a king, he's a fugitive. And he's not sleeping in a castle, he's been sleeping in caves. And he's not, uh, he's not on a balcony where everyone can see him. He's hiding out in forests where no one can see him. And in the midst of all of that, he's evaluating his life. Do you think that that's a good time to evaluate your life? When everything's kind of coming up against you, you've got a raging king named Saul who's trying to take your life. You've got 600 men who are following you, their wives and children as well. You've got a thousand people who you are responsible for. That's a tough time to make sense of life. That's a tough time to make good decisions in life. You're just not going to see things maybe the way that God wants you to see them. And that was certainly true with David. And how does he assess his situation? One of these days I will be destroyed, he said, by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is escape to the land of the Philistines, and then Saul will give up up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. And so David finds himself heading down a bad path the slump is hit and he's beginning to make decisions. And the decisions that he's making are taking him down the wrong turn. He's at a crossroads in life. And that crossroads, whenever you make those decisions, is either I'm gonna pursue the Lord, I'm gonna see what God wants for me, I'm gonna lean hard into him, or I'm gonna go my own way and I'm gonna figure this out myself. And that's exactly what he does in this scenario. And so how does he make the wrong turn and go deeper into the slump of life? Well, let's see what he does. First thing he does is he forgets God's promises for his life. He says, Saul is going to take my life. I have no chance of surviving. Even though David has been reminded continually by the Lord and by others that are reinforcing what the Lord has said about him, that he would one day be the king. Just as an example here, David forgot the oil Samuel anointed on him to become the next king. David forgot Jonathan's promise, who is Saul's son, that he would be the king of Israel. David forgot the Abigail's words in which she said he would be the leader of Israel. David even forgets Saul, the man who wants to take his life, who at these weird moments would, would just spout off things that were prophetic, and this is one of them, is a proclamation that he would surely be king. And he forgets all of that. When we make wrong turns, often... We can trace our steps back to forgetting the promises that God has given us. That He will forgive you, even in spite of the guilt and the shame and the regret. There's always forgiveness. That He'll be with you. He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you. It's just a matter of us simply acknowledging His presence. That He has a plan. He hasn't just left us. He didn't just walk away once it all was spun into existence. No, he's actively, intricately involved in our lives. That he hears your prayers. That he fights for you. That the battle isn't always yours. The battle isn't yours. That more often than not, the battle is his. And David forgets all of that. And in forgetting it, he gets off mission God had a purpose for his life, to do some incredible things, and instead he drifts off into enemy territory. And how did he get there? Well, the second place that, the second way that he made a wrong turn is he turned to himself. Did you hear what he said? I, 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 I will do this. I, I've got it figured out. Saul is going to take my life. He's not talking to anyone He's not praying about this like he did before. He's advising himself. Look at what, look, at, look back through his life here. When David first encountered the Philistines, a challenging situation, what did he do? He inquired of the Lord. When David felt outmatched against his enemy, what did he do? He inquired of the Lord. When David was attacked by the Amalekites, he inquired of the Lord. And even later, when he finally breaks through from this situation after Saul dies, he inquires of the Lord. But in this scenario... He doesn't do that. In this situation, he doesn't inquire of God. Instead, he leans into himself and leans into his own wisdom. And what does he tell himself? Sooner or later, that same verse we read from the message, he says, Saul's going to get me the best thing I can do is escape to Philistine country. Saul will count me as a lost cause and quit hunting me down in every nook and cranny of Israel. I'll be out of his reach for good. In other words, what we see there is our life follows our thoughts. If you want to know Like how you're going to live, often it can be traced back to the way you're thinking. And either your thinking is going to be informed, my thinking is informed by the Lord, that he has called us out to be uh, a separate people, those who believe in Jesus. And you're called to do incredible things for the Lord. But if you're walking into every situation and thinking people are against you, guess what? That's going to probably happen. Because you're gonna do some things, you're gonna say some things, you're gonna present yourself in such a way that it's gonna seem like they're against you. Your life follows your thoughts, but when you walk into those situations and you're saying, God, how can I love these people? How can I serve someone here? Because now it's not about you, you're dying to yourself, you're thinking like that, and your life follows your thoughts. And where else does he go wrong? Well, he goes to Philistine country. He finds relief from his enemy that He goes to Goliath's backyard, Satan's pasture, and it's there that he finds a little bit of relief. Hiding out with the enemy will bring some temporary relief. What do I mean by that? Well, he finds it for a short time, but here's how it applies to us. You cast aside the diet, you'll be satisfied for a moment. You won't have those hunger pains. You splurge at the department store, you'll feel good for a period. Stop resisting alcohol and you'll laugh for a while. Move out on your spouse. You'll relax for a time. Indulge in porn and you'll be entertained for a season. That in these particular moments, you can have relief for a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, a few months. But inevitably, loneliness will find you again. Guilt and shame will be there for sure. You will never find peace with your enemy. And that's exactly what David found out. There is a way of life that looks harmless enough, the Bible tells us. Look again, though. You might find a bit of relief for a moment, but it will lead you straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. And what is the progression? of David that led him to that crossroads where he he made that wrong turn to head off into the Philistine country. As we're going to find, he aligns himself with King Akish there. What was the progression? Maybe this is a progression that you can relate to. He got worn out. When do you make the worst decisions? For me, it's often when I'm tired. It's when I'm worn out. It's in those moments I probably should not be as confident in my own discernment as I at times am. He got worn out, and then he decided to get out, and then he sold out as he aligns with this king. And that sellout moment is when you sit down and you sign those divorce papers. When you begin to align yourself with a different group of friends after you've gotten out of maybe a healthy group of friends, but you just didn't like, the, you didn't like what the path that they had you on. It was a little too uncomfortable for you. And maybe it was the path that God wanted you, wanted you to be on, but you're selling out. You're getting out of there. You're going to go with some other people. You're going to go down a different route to where you're selling out. Maybe God has provided something for you, a workplace environment for you that's a good workplace, but maybe the money isn't quite what you want, so you're going after something a little bit more lucrative, maybe a little bit more stressing on your family, doesn't always quite work out like that. More often than not, I found that it doesn't work out like that, and that's exactly what David is going to find out. As everything is this wave of of, of inconvenience and challenges coming against him, he leaves. He goes into Philistine country, and it's there that he goes to King of Kish, and he's wanting to make an agreement, an arrangement with this king of the Philistines. And this is what he says to him. He says, give me a place in one of the cities in the country that I may live there, for why should your servant? And so now he is serving the enemy, and that's how it goes. When we sell out, we start to serve the enemy in the royal city with you, he says. And the king sees some of the wisdom and what it is that he's saying. He says, okay, I'm going to give you a city. It's Ziklag. So you go to Ziklag, your people can be there. But here's, but here's the catch. You need to start fighting against the Israelites. And then I want their plunder back. I want your plunder back that you get from them. Well, David thinks through this a little bit. And instead of going after the Israelites, he goes after other people groups that are allies of the Philistines. And he brings the plunder back to the king. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. Now David, as they're living in Ziklag now, is going out and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites and the Amalekites and parasites and mosquito bites, and, but not the Israelites. <laughs> Whenever David attacked an area, he did not leave a man or a woman alive. But he took sheep and cattle and donkeys and camels and clothes and then he returned to Kish. This isn't really a, a good season of David's life. For these 16 months that he's in Philistines, there are no psalms recorded. The harp is silent. His heart is growing cold. Men are dying. Women are dying. Children are dying. Because if anyone's left alive, they might get back to Akish and tell him what it is that's going on, that David isn't actually fighting the Israelites. And so the worst thing for David happens... The Philistines declare war on the Israelites, and now he is brought to a place where he has to choose who is he going to align himself with. And he aligns himself with the Philistines, and he goes out to war with the Philistines against the Israelites. And we don't really know what David was thinking. We don't really understand why exactly he made this decision. But the generals of the Philistines see David coming with his men. The women and children have been left behind at Ziklag. They see him coming and they say, that guy can't go to battle with us. If he goes to battle with us, then he's going to turn on us in the middle of the war, in the middle of the battle, and we aren't going to see it coming. This is what it says. The Philistine commanders were angry with the Kish and said, send David back that he may return to the place you assigned him. He must not go with us into battle or he will turn against us during the fighting how better could he regain his master's favor than by taking the heads of our own men and Achish sees the wisdom and what it is that his commanders are saying and he sends David back to Ziklag but what happens when he gets back he finds that the Amalekites had raided the the village and all of their women all of the women All the children have been taken away. And the men are left having been seen as fugitives from the Israelites, rejected by the Philistines, raided by the Amalekites. And what do they do? So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. When you allow the slump to get the best of you, and you start aligning yourself with the enemy, and you start going your own way, and you stop seeking wise counsel, you stop seeking the Lord, your decisions will affect you, we know that. But they will also affect those that are around you. And in this case, all of their children and all of their wives have been taken away. About a week and a half ago, this man passed away, Bernie Madoff. Of renal kidney failure if you're if you're not familiar with his story several years ago he led the largest ponzi scheme in the history of the world as far as we know 20 billion dollars he cheated people out of but that's a low estimate it's probably in the range of 70 billion dollars as far as we know his family never knew what was going on but in the course of ruining so many other people's lives He also ruined his own families as well. His wife, after he was arrested, would be sent off into hiding. She would spend the last 15 years of her life barely able to go out in public. His son, two years to the anniversary of him being arrested, would hang himself. His other son would die of cancer within a few years of his arrest, stating that it was the stress and anxiety and pressure put upon him and fearing for his life that he felt like the cancer began to began to grow inside of him and ultimately would take him out. My point is that his decisions didn't just affect him. It affected everyone around him. And when that happens, people aren't thinking straight. And the men around David weren't thinking straight. And David was greatly distressed. Why? Because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his son's And his daughters and it's at this place that he that a decision has to be made what are you going to do how are you going to turn this thing around and it's often in this kind of a slump whenever you're at your lowest that you can make bad decisions Max Lucado says it this way a slump in life can become the petri dish of bad decisions the incubator of wrong turns the assembly line of regretful moves And so what do we learn from David and how we're going to avoid that? And most of his story that we've just ran through is down, 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 down. And we're going to get out of it in a moment. But where did he go wrong? We've kind of already touched on it. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.